and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TV My Husband Hates. It is sunny and shiny in London town, and once again... Reagan and I are still in the same room. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. This week has been amazing. Other than like the sheer downpour in weather corner of TV, my husband hates of rain that happened yesterday that had me, you know, remembering the gray days of London. But you always usually get a follow up of a brilliant day like it is today. So. Yeah, I pretty much started building an arc yesterday. <laughs> Uh, but the good thing is that it does pass quickly and we are basking in sunshine. So you know what? It's okay. And there's no snow. So that's better than we're beating Denver already. There you go. Uh, so it's been a good week this week. Um, we have dropped uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey because, of course, they've started their reunion. So there'll be a mini up in a couple of weeks once they finish their three episodes of reunion time. Uh, so we're down to five shows. Yeah, it's it's an easy week this week. Um, but we will be adding a new show starting the 8th of March called Family Karma. And we did a post about it on Instagram yesterday. So it follows some Indian American families in Miami. So we're really looking forward to kind of learning about some culture and seeing how those two clash. So it promises to be really good. We're excited. I'm, yeah, I'm really excited that we're adding this show. And normally I'm the one that's like, we're not adding any more shows. And <laughs> Reagan's the one that's like, we have to add this show. And uh, and actually when I read about the show, I was like, of course we have to add it because it kind of plays into a lot of why we do what we do. It, reality TV is becoming more diverse. It is educating people on a lot of stuff and cultures. And we're here to talk about the smart stuff because... Smart people watch reality TV too. Um, while we are here and before we launch into uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, I would really, and Reagan, on behalf of both of us, we would like to plead, beg, implore, bribe, whatever it takes. Um, if you like what you hear and you love listening to us, then what really matters is uh, the rating and reviewing um, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So whether that's Apple or Google, Amazon or Pandora, wherever it is, um, please go there and rate and review us. Unless you think we're shit and then just stay quiet. But well, if you think we're great, then do that. Yeah, or just send us an email explaining to us why you think we're shit because... That's all right because we could just delete that. But yeah, we can take that. Our egos yeah. are not uh, on too bit. Precious. Yeah, then we're not that precious. We can handle that. Um, although I will hunt you down. <laughs> uh, you think I'm joking? Okay, so shall we? Uh, with that Re in mind, well, really quick. Also, oh. um, we've been playing around with thinking about some bonus content we can do because obviously reality TV is not just restricted to TV, which I know sounds weird, but. Um, like there's a new show on Netflix called Love is Blind or Blind Love or Love is Blind, something like that, that I know a lot of you are watching. So we were thinking that maybe for some bonus content, we could kind of power through those episodes and then do like a mini-sode about that show as a separate download. So if you guys have some shows that we're not covering and you think we can nail them really quickly and do a separate show, send them to us. Email us at hey at tvmyhusbandhates.com, direct message us on Instagram, send us a message on Facebook, however you want to get in touch with Carry us. Carrier pigeon works Absolutely. fine. Absolutely. Smoke signals probably not work so well. <laughs> but um, let us know what you guys want us to do, and we can see if we can fit them into our schedule and lives. Any more admin? No, I think that we are done with Admin Corner. Other than we are thinking of doing some merch. <laughs> yeah, other than that. Other than that, we're thinking of doing some merch, thinking of doing some pop sockets. We're thinking, of, you know, we're just putting it out there. We might do some market research and Instagram stories, so uh, watch out for that. We'll need some feedback. Yeah, but it's obviously been Admin Week at TV My <laughs> Husband Hates because we're actually in the same place. So <laughs> We're getting shit done. Uh, so with that in mind, Admin out of the way, uh, I guess it's time for us to move on to The Real Housewives of Atlanta, our first show on our roster. Yeah, and I mean, this one's winding down. I think we're definitely heading to the finale, so we'll probably lose this one soon too. But in my opinion, um, the main issue about this whole show was Kenya and Mark. However, I think we're going to touch a bit on Candy and her struggles kind of balancing all her roles. Yeah, I think it's really interesting watching that relationship with Candy and Todd because... Um, 
you know, it's there's no doubt in my mind that it's a real relationship, but I think their personalities are really, I guess in some ways they're really complementary and in other ways it's a, it's a real conflict because I feel like when Todd got with Candy, he was ambitious but hadn't quite figured it out. And I don't think he was using Candy, but I do think Candy empowered him to achieve and financially bankrolled him to achieve some of his dreams which he's run with and been successful within himself but I think it's meant that there's kind of a competitive nature between them well and I think almost a power struggle as well I think when one person is kind of super ambitious I think on I think you're right like I think on the one hand that inspires the other one to maybe reach a little bit further but then you also have to balance those two ambitions within the family because obviously you know now that the older girls are pseudo out of the house they've got you know their younger son Ace and then they've got another baby on the way so I think that naturally throws up a lot of problems when you're trying to balance your personal lives as like husband wife your professional yeah. life as kick-ass business people and all of those lives into being parents, even when you have help. And they have a huge amount of responsibility as well. Like, you know, the, yes, they've got money, but the more money you have, the more responsibilities you have in terms of people you employ and houses you have to pay for and offices and premises and restaurants and all the rest of it. So it's really, it, it's not something they can sit back on their laurels and go, look at us, how great are we? It's a constant constant strive to uh, like continue to achieve and to and continue to accrue more money so I think that's I mean listen it happens in my household not that we're on that level by any stretch but being both self-employed knowing we've got shit to cover that's quite a stress they're also really new into their relationship I mean we saw their relationship start on the Real Housewives of Atlantic I think Todd was part of production and that's how they met so you've also got two people that actually haven't been together that long before jumping into all of this. So I think they're, I think those, those are the struggles, right? In everybody's lives. Well, and let's not forget that they have this new baby on the way that because right. she's not pregnant, there must be times when she's like, shit, I forgot. <laughs> That's fucking, you know, it's easy to remember you've got a baby when you've got this big lump in front of you right. and you can't pee, you peeing every five minutes. But I guess, yeah, there's a lot going on. I think they'll make it through, but it's an interesting dynamic. Absolutely. I think it's really interesting watching them kind of talk through all of these different things going on in their lives. And I find it really fascinating watching how different people navigate that and seeing where I could maybe add some maybe more diplomatic skills in discussions with my husband. Do you know, 100%, because my (laughs) husband often gets at me. Like, one of the things he used to say to me was was he would say, it's not an episode of your Real Housewives show, but there are definitely things that I have learned from either not to do or to do and it implemented them. And little does he know that I am like, I'm, I'm navigating our relationship with like the cliff notes <laughs> right. from Royal Housewives. But essentially that's what I'm doing. Also, I just realized I was saying like every word in that sentence. Sorry, I'm going to try and work on that. Yeah. One thing about podcasting is you start really noticing your verbal tics and it's not always the most pleasant thing to, I don't know, work be confront- To be confronted Absolutely. with. Um, so I need to be, what I need is like an electric, oh, what I need is an electric collar. Every time I say like, it just gives me a buzz, <laughs> like one of those, like dog training. Yeah. It'd be a really dull podcast though, because we would just be electrocuting <laughs> ourselves. I don't know. I mean, some people are into that <laughs> shit. Anyway, let's move on to the big meat and potato of this episode, which was of course, Mark and Kenya. And we're not surprised, are we? Not at all. And I think Nini, oddly enough, calls it out at the very beginning of this episode where she says that Kenya's not being submissive. She's just not being herself. And she's hiding her real self from her relationship and how that really can never work. And we're, I agree with Nini on that point. I agree with Nini on everything she says. She also says that it's always felt more transactional, more like a contract than a relationship. She doesn't see them being affectionate. We talked about it last week around the swimming lesson. That was the first time I'd seen them have any conversation that seemed to have any kind of warmth to it at all or any chemistry yeah when you see them stand next to each other i don't feel their relationship chemistry here's what kenya is doing she is in her mid to late 40s and i believe that she is trying to fulfill a role of what she thinks a housewife should 
be. And it's a very old-fashioned role, but that's the one she's doing. But she's not accounting for the fact that that A isn't her, B isn't necessary, and if that's what he wants, then she's not the guy, the girl for him. No, absolutely. I think we see that where she talks about she just avoids fights because they can't have a discussion. So yeah. she just kind of pushes everything down and doesn't bring up stuff because she doesn't want to fight with him. And it's like, well, I hate to tell you this, but fighting is part of having a relationship because you are never going to 100% agree on everything. That's ridiculous. And compare that to Cynthia and Mike the week before where she says, I need to look, we need to learn how to have conflict. Avoiding conflict isn't possible, but figuring out how to manage it without the toxicity is essential. And I think that is where they ultimately struggle because they're not just two alpha dogs, they are two narcissists. Right. And it's simply not a feasible, it's not a feasible partnership. No, and I think we see kind of the major breakdown of their relationship with the Black Men's Lab event that they're putting together. It's just very disjointed. They have very different views on how things should be done. And I feel we see a really nasty side of Mark during this event. Well, and interestingly, I feel that the nastiness we've seen from Kenya throughout the season has been this misplaced emotional anxiety that she's feeling. So totally she's being agree. so vicious to Tanya, awful to Marlo at the event. Not not because, you know, what she did to Marlo was intrinsically awful, but like asking Marlo to sit on another table is not unreasonable. But the way she handled it and the way she talked about Marlo following that oh and would gosh. not shut up about it. It's all this anger and stress that she's feeling. And it's it's been a theme of the, of the season because she's not happy. She's desperate to make everybody else unhappy. Absolutely. And she's an asshole about tiny little things. <laughs> she is. And, and you know, I, t- I totally get it. I don't, I don't feel maybe not intrinsically that she's an asshole. I just feel like she's been pr- suppressing all of these, like, angry feelings with Mark for so long that it just comes out at everybody in very weird things, like not being able to accept the olive branch with Tanya during that talk that Candy facilitated, yelling at Mar, like not yelling her, but being really rude and passive aggressive at the event, and then talking shit, like yeah, all of those things. And she, it, it's an insecurity because she knows she's hiding a lot of shit, and they've pushed pushed all of that under the carpet. Anything that happens, you get really fucking bumpy carpet, and it doesn't get rid of it. Um, and inevitably, we see Mark answering questions about marriage and going, no, I fucking hate it. Everybody knows that. Save me from the drama when he wants to be away from Kenya. And, and, and then, just being and, a total dick to production. You took the words out of it. Yeah. And taking it all. And both of them are making each other so miserable. It's so toxic that when they announced at the end of the episode that the very next day they announced their separation, it was almost a breath of fresh air. I was like, I thought, thank goodness. Now I feel... It's going to be tough for Kenya, and I think she's. I don't think she's going to immediately turn into this lovely person. I think she's going to be an absolute cunt for a while. Absolutely, because I think there's going to be a load of defensiveness. She's going to have to cover up those feelings of failure, um, comparison. All of that shit is going to set her push all her buttons. But I feel that if Kenya has any chance at being happy, this separation had to happen. Absolutely. So. I have, I mean, I'm still excited to see how they land in Greece next week because this is going to, there's going to be fireworks. (laughs) I don't, you know, I mean, it's, it's the curse of the real housewives trip, right? It is not going to be pretty. It's going to be very uncomfortable and yeah, we'll just have to wait and see and see if there is some sort of sympathy for her behavior throughout the season because of what she was dealing with, with Mark. Yeah, and uh, before we go, just to one quote, because the Marlo thing, uh, we did a poll on um, Instagram about whether people thought that Kenya was being unreasonable about Marlo, and of course, 88% said that she was. So, Especially in front of her nephews, like this is a black man's lab for young black men to see successful dudes who look like them that have made it. And Kenya's a complete act. Like, yeah, well, she's the only person that turned right. up with young black men. Yeah. <laughs> this she's is, the only one that read the memo. Exactly. And even if she did turn up late, which, by the way, oh, I can't even begin to express how angry it makes me that these bitches are late. For, and not just like, I'm half an hour late. Two hours, two and a half hours late. It gives me severe anxiety just watching it because I'm 
I'm the antithesis of that. Like I'm the person that shows up 10 minutes early to things. If I can yeah. if it's in my control, I, I oh my cannot God. handle if it. If I have to catch a flight, I'd rather be there the night before. Absolutely. Honestly, that's how I feel. I drink some margaritas or bloody Mary's. I'll do a bit of shopping, but I would rather be there 24 hours before my flight. Um, it's caused many an argument between Jimmy and me. It's yeah. fine though. We don't need to talk about that, but we'll see what happens. Um, there's going to be a fallout. Who knows what that's going to look like? Who knows? But at least it'll be in Greece, so it'll be gorgeous scenery to watch. True story. Uh, and then on to um, Shaws of Sunset. Shaws of Sunset, where I feel like we are kind of just launched into Reza's hair product launch and Gigi's embryo transfer. I've got to be honest, I'm really anxious about Rod- about Reza's hair product and the fact that he's dumped half a million pounds, all his life savings, into this. And as much as Sally, like Sally's buying it feels great, it's still Sally's. It's not Sephora. It's no. not, you know, all these great... Sally's his budget. Yeah. The whole thing terrifies me, and I'm not 100% sure he's going to make back his money. No, I think if I was Adam, I'd be kind of on tender hooks really worried about our life savings. Well, and I'd be I'd be pissed about anybody, my partner who decided to spunk half a million pounds without consulting me first. Oh yeah, I mean it matters not that a lot of the money was his first. It's still their joint savings. Uh, yeah, and you're married, so you've yeah. made a commitment. And even if it was entirely his, he still owes Adam the respect of having that discussion with him. He didn't have it, because Adam would have said no. Well, I feel like they did have it last season. Did they not? No. Oh, I thought they had a chat about it, and he came around. Oh, wait, only after the fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair uh, enough. No, after yeah, the yeah, fact. But he'd yeah. already signed, written right. the check and handed it in. But where I mean, we're starting from now, like they're on the same page with this. Yes, they seem to be. Yeah. Um, mind you, Adam is, you know, he's not, he's in sticky he's waters, in is right it? Is, now, he's, he's gonna, <laughs> he might just have to suck this shit up. Um, but I mean, listen, I hope it goes well. I don't have heaps of confidence in it. But if anybody can sell a shit ton of hair stuff, it's probably Razor. So go forth and be successful. Absolutely. And while they're all in Vegas, or a few of them are in Vegas for this launch, we see a little bit more of Sarah and Destiny's dynamic. And I got to say, I didn't really like what I saw out of Sarah. She, she's really judgy, muck judgy pants. And I just have a kind of, um, I have an issue with the way that she just talks about and to people. We did a poll, excuse me, I just did a tiny bit. Um, we did a poll asking what people thought of her. And we had Belly here saying stuck up, uh, live baby live. Um, a bit too precious for my liking and not much of a personality, which I feel like sums it up. 100%. Um, shady and judgy, uptight from Ashley Mayer, 22. Mean, Becca Becca, 23, said, and I just said she rubs me up the wrong way. Um, yeah. There's just something about her that I don't like. Yeah, she's just not that likable. Yeah, that could be it. Uh, but obviously Destiny shags her brother, and I can't imagine she's going to be desperately happy about that. No, I think she's going to have a huge problem with that. Also, how different are Sarah and her brother? So different. Also, also, but also, <laughs> um, also, how weird is the dynamic when you've got four older sisters and and the fifth boy is uh, the fifth baby is a boy? Oh yeah, he's being babied from all women. He's got in six months. He's got six months. Absolutely. And I feel sorry for the woman that he ends up with because the expectation is incredibly high yeah. to just take care of him. Uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that his living is playing poker in Vegas. Like, no, sports betting, playing poker. All of that. Why not make that a career? Yeah, sure. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But I sort of hope that Destiny had a really fucking great night of hot, passionate sex, got the orgasms that she deserved, and I feel like she deserves that. A hundred percent. I totally agree. I hope she had a good time. Destiny, we hope you had a good time. <laughs> the other big news, of course, in Shah's this week was Gigi was impregnate, implanted with, her, oh fuck, got her embryo implanted in her. Yeah. There's a better way of saying that, but I don't know what it is. She got knocked up. She got knocked up <laughs> while, while her parents watched, which, is, <laughs> which isn't something that happens every day. Not at all. 
Um, I think Gigi's dramatically underestimating the lack of weed that will be in her life and how difficult it might be. I mean, she confessed, I think she said she hasn't gone more than five minutes without taking some sort of, without being baked, essentially. And that's, I mean, if that was alcohol, that would be a problem. But here's my thing, like, and I know I keep mentioning this, but it just surprises me that somebody can be completely high on marijuana 100% of the time and still drive a car and do shit like that. Surely that's not right. That aside, she's now pregnant and obviously can't be smoking weed to the same extent. So I wonder how this is going to go. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole preface to her smoking weed was that it was helping her control her pain from her rheumatoid arthritis. And I'm a little bit worried because when your body is pregnant, all that shit flares up and you you can't take a lot of things for it. It's not the most comfortable nine months of your life. So I hope that she's getting some sort of help for all the other issues to where the weed is not that big of a deal, but I don't know, man. I think even if it's for pain management, though, if you become so dependent on it, it's a problem. It's, you know, you could say the same thing about Oxy or Vicodin, you know, they're there for pain management, but you, you really got to manage what you take. And I feel like she's slipped beyond that into addiction. Like she couldn't even handle it on the way to the hospital. Not having, like she's literally, I'm losing my mind. I thought this is not going to be great. No, it's not. Especially when you're on your own doing it as well. Um, You know, mad props to her for making this decision. I just hope it is what she thinks it's going to be, which it never is going to be. But anyways, me too. Bless her. And good luck. I mean, I think we can see on Instagram, social media that she is definitely pregnant. We've just seen Razor at her baby shower. Um, So we'll, you know, good luck to her. Absolutely. And in this episode, we finally see a little bit more of MJ and Tommy because they've got the baby home and everyone's recovering. So we get a little more insight into the issues between MJ and Reza. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously we discovered that her real issue with Reza comes from the fact that it was made very clear to him that her life was essentially in danger, that it was very serious surgery that saved her life. She ended up in the ICU and Reza didn't go to visit her. No, my heart broke for her during that actually, because Reza's always been the touchstone in her life. I think part of her, you know, that's the part of her that's always kind of kept her a little bit more sane yeah. than to, she normally and, is. And her, and her father had just yeah. died. She's been through some shit. She really needed that, that help and that support from her best friend. And I see, like, we've had sort of a little interaction with Razor on social media. God love, and, and I hope he knows we fucking love Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Um, but here's my thing. He did say at one point in response to something that we'd written about how he just needed to give her a fucking cuddle and say sorry. Um, he's like, watch the season and wait and see. Then tell me how you feel. So I'm interested because if it's literally just that he didn't, she was spreading rumors before and then she went through this awful thing and he didn't go and turn up. My feeling is you, you, you've you got to put this in perspective. And yes, she may well have been being a bit of a dick beforehand but she nearly died and and she needed you and the first thing you do is you go and visit her and if you don't you say sorry and then deal with the other shit right but these two grief beefs that you have are not comparable no and you know maybe it's to a point we haven't seen all of it yet and 100%. maybe our ideals will change i'm gonna tell you honestly if i was on bed rest for that long i'd probably be going insane and maybe starting some shit too just having to be in bed But I think when you look at the loss of her father, which was a huge point, a a huge knock to her life, then getting pregnant, which was a huge high, high, then having all these issues, which throws you into the lowest of lows when you don't know if you're going to be okay, your baby's going to be okay, your emotions are psychotic, maybe you tip to the psycho level occasionally anyways. Yeah. It's just been a really rough time for her. And yeah, we'll see if our opinion changes, but I think you're right. I think the first thing you do is go check on your friend, regardless of the bullshit that they may have done, because you've been friends for a million years. And then after you know she's okay, then call her out on some of her bullshit and see how it goes. But we'll I think see. it's I think it's really interesting in the perspective because I feel like if MJ had been in a major car crash that had ended her up in ICU, he would have been there in a heartbeat. Right. But I think that there's this perception that because she's just 
I'm air quoting, just yeah. having a baby, and it's, air quotes, the most natural thing in the world, that it could never possibly be that bad, that it's never that serious or that traumatic. Right. And, and actually having really suffered from PTSD following my birth and postnatal depression, that kind of, for me, potentially, not excuses, but explains whatever MJ's behavior is in the season coming up because that shit really affects you. And it's not just, oh, I'm better now, I'm done. It's been six years since I gave birth and I still get triggered. There's still shit that I will, that I behave weirdly over because of that. And I I genuinely think this is at this point, this is my feeling that Razor just does not understand how traumatic this shit is. Well, and becoming a parent is life fucking changing. It not only changes your relationship with your partner, it changes your perception of yourself. You just have to kind of grow and change in ways that nobody ever prepares you for and nobody really ever talks about. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out in the end um, and maybe thinking about a little compassion sometimes goes a really long way when you're in such a dark place. I agree. So Razor, if you're listening, just sit with what we're saying and see how you feel about it. But moving on from um, all of that happy chat, <laughs> uh, let's head over to Greece for the Below Deck Sailing Yacht episode. Yeah, and I think we're going to structure this chat interior and then exterior. With a bit of Adam and Jenna thrown in. Yeah, because they're kind of interior together. Yeah. In many ways. Um, I think it's safe to say that in this charter, you sort of hear Captain Glenn talk about how shit started to fall apart. Teething issues are start Like, the charter right. was fine, but we're starting to see teething issues. And especially in the interior, Jenna is going to have to change her approach, her leadership, if she doesn't want this trio to fall apart. Well, because we already see it kind of falling apart. Like, the Jenna issues are trickling down. And I feel like in this episode, we saw Madison working her ass off and getting shit on from every corner. And even Georgia was not not responsible for some of that shit. Yeah, I mean, Madison is 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 the one that held this together. Yeah. Then here's the thing. Then Madison doesn't get any fucking sleep. Right. So she works till <laughs> one and decides to stay up flirting with Parker till 4.30 and then starts to lose her shit, which is justified, but perhaps could be done in a slightly different right. way if she just went to fucking bed. Yeah, sometimes you've got to put your sex life on a shelf and just get some sleep. As parents, we know this very well. Yeah, because she's obviously in it to do a little bumping of uglies with Parker and Parker's there talking about how he falls in love really slowly. We're like, <laughs> dude, come on, this is just a she bang. She just wants a shag. She just wants a shag. <laughs> um, but I do think that Madison is caught in the middle um, and I feel that it could be a great trio if Jenna... Yes. just changed it. It's it's a trickle-down effect, right? Like, 100%. if leadership isn't fair or consistent, then the person in the middle is the one that's going to get pissed off, not the person at the bottom who maybe a lot of the shit's rolling down on because ultimately their responsibilities are not the same responsibilities as the person in the middle who then has to manage the person below and kind of is getting shit on from both angles. And I think this relationship with Adam and Jenna is really the root of this problem. I think she's distracted. I think she's... Trying to be cute. Trying to be cute. (laughs) Got her priorities all wrong. And the way that they are bonding is through essentially bullying yeah. and, and being really unkind. Like the things that Georgia overhears about what they're saying in the galley, uh, that would have had me in tears if I'd have heard that Absolutely. about me. Um, so mean. <clears throat> so I think Jenna really needs to figure out this shit. Like I'm all for, if you fancy somebody and there's a real attraction, which I do believe there is as a connection. Yeah, there definitely is. You just, you don't have to shit on everybody else to get there. No, not at all. You don't have to bond over talking shit. Like, there needs to be something more there. And I, I get that it's kind of closed quarters and maybe there's not a lot outside that you can chat about yet. But I don't think showing showing that side of your personality is the way to kind of build a great relationship. No, and interestingly, we did a poll on Instagram and 78% of people thought that um, the relationship with Jenna and Adam is going to cause serious turmoil. And if it continues the way it is... I've got to agree. 
Yeah, I think even Byron says something about asking Jenna if she's bitching about the girls again because her mouth is open. Yeah, because she said, yeah. are you bitching? Because I saw your mouth moving. Right. <laughs> and I mean, she took it in good humor, but he's well not done. wrong. He's not wrong. She never, there isn't a nice thing that's come out of her mouth. No, so I hope that gets cleared up because I see the potential for these three women to work really well together as long as roles and responsibilities are clearly defined because none of them are not hard workers. No. So I think if that could be tightened up a bit, it could be easy. The other thing is, it's really easy, and I hate to shit on the sisterhood, but it's really easy for female relationships, dynamics to get bitchy. Yeah. And that really, it just pisses me off yeah. because we've got a million other fucking tools in our kit. So it just annoys me that these grown women are resorting to this sort of bitchy type that we're trying so fucking hard to overcome. It's just right. boring. Yeah, it is. It's not fun to watch. They're all better it's, than that. Yeah, absolutely. They're all smarter than that. Just fucking up your game Find because on behalf of the sisterhood, it's <laughs> pissing me off. Yeah. Um, and then the exterior. Wow. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. Yeah, so my big issue with this is that Paget. maybe I've misunderstood. Paget has told Parker certain things that are just never done on the boat. Like, you don't know, there always needs to be a member of the deck crew outside with the guests while guests are out. So as far as lunches go, you need to kind of rotate. So I think Parker being green has really taken these rules to heart and is really abiding by them. So when we ask, see him kind of ask CR if she wants to go lunch, she says, no, he goes down and has lunch. Then she pops down there. I think his questions are very valid. Like, Hey, don't one of us need to be out there because Paget's got some time off. And she just kind of goes apeshit about it really trying to find something that I like about her but I, know. I just I'm really struggling um I, I mean it's look we did a poll 56% were team Parker which I actually think was surprising um it was a clear and cut thing for me I right. think it, I don't even think he was condescending about it because she's like he's a third dexter and how dare he like talk right. to me like that um he just sort of said, hang on, I think one of us needs to be up there. And she has this sort of superiority complex. Right. She, it's like suits her to use Paget as a boyfriend. Sorry, when it suits her, she'll refer to him as a boyfriend. Other times she'll be like, oh no, we're, you know, we're professional. Right. Um, and I think those lines are really, really blurred. And I think Captain Glenn's made a huge mistake putting her on the exterior. She, he should have kept her in the interior. I totally agree. And I don't like the way Sierra lies to Paget about the conversation with Parker, and then Paget gets on Parker's ass. That puts Parker in a really uncomfortable situation. It's always kind of shit working with people who are in a relationship, especially when there's the the hierarchy of a boat involved. In, in my opinion, um, I think you're absolutely right about Captain Glenn. Maybe Sierra should have stayed in, on interior, and Paget stayed outside. Then maybe we wouldn't see these kind of complications between delineating the relationships. But she strikes me as this person. She's not, listen, I'm going back to the homeschooling thing. I, I know. Yeah. I I'm, gonna, I'm not going to apologize. I've apologized loads. Watch, listen to the other episodes. Right. Um, but I think she has such a lack of experience in group settings, lar- like large group, multi-people dynamics that it's very difficult for her to accept responsibility. And, you know, she's not good at owning when she's wrong. So it's always like, I'm just not going to get found out. So she lies. And they're not massive lies, but she's always trying to dodge responsibility. And it just is uncomfortable. No, I strongly abide by the fact that sending your kids to school in the group setting teaches you way more than just facts and figures and the things that you know to get the things that you know to get a job. Yeah. You learn life at school. You learn how to interact with adults. You learn how to interact with people your own age. You land in sticky situations and you learn and grow from that. And when you remove that social learning from the learning environment, it's really hard to gain it in a natural understanding way at the times that you should be learning this. I mean, I think you see a lot of homeschooled, 
kind of new adults going to uni and having to learn all of those lessons at university versus learning them in primary school when you should have first learned them. Yeah, and that's it's, a tricky balance. It's like anything, right? Learning to ski is much easier when you're four than fourteen or forty because your sense you're not in. You, you're not inhibited by your own insecurities, by your own self-awareness. There's something really wonderful about that lack of self-awareness that kids have that allows them to break boundaries right. and and set boundaries and, and understand authority and rules and figure out their place within a system. And if you haven't given that education to somebody... It, it's not that they're always going to be fucking weirdos, no. but there are going to be certain elements that they struggle with um, because the majority of us have had a very different uh, experience. So I feel like we do see that with Sierra. Yeah. Um, and a little bit with Paget, but mostly with Sierra. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're growing up on a boat with just your family round, it's going to be hard for you to interact in more social group dynamics Yeah, as you're alone on a boat. Um, I think just before we finish, I yeah. would like to just say to Paget, talking about social learning and uh, perhaps certain gaps in your education, um, I'm not sure that flirting with Georgia by saying, um, I love hearing you on the radio, it's very sensual, is yeah. really the best game. Especially with your girlfriend being on the same radio channel as everybody else. <laughs> so everybody's hearing what you're saying. <laughs> It's not the right move. Also, Adam, by the way, saying I'm pretty good at spreading things out. Again, not great flirting. Not good sexy talk either. No. Nobody wants to be referred to as a spread. No. <laughs> no. Anyway, so that's uh, Below Deck Sailing. I'm, ex- you know, obviously, it's a- I'm really enjoying it. I am too. The sailboat is gorgeous. Just makes me want to get on a sailboat. I feel like we should record a live podcast from a sailboat. Yeah, any um, sailing yacht owners that want to donate some time and resources to TV My Husband Hates to let us record a podcast on your boat, we're With, here for that. Uh-huh. Just hit us up. Hey, at tvmyhusbandhates.com. <laughs> um, okay, on to Vanderpump Rules, um, where really the top hot topics of, uh, of the week are Sandoval versus Jack and the wedding Fiasco and Raquel and James. Yeah, with a little bit of the ultimate birthday queen not wanting to have a birthday. Darcy is growing up. Oh, man. It's such a, it's so beautiful to watch. It is, but I cannot wait until her birthday party next year. I love Stassi at her own birthday. Me too. It's my birthday! <laughs> uh, okay, so let's yeah. move on to uh, Sandoval and Jax. We've talked a lot about this. I don't think we're under any illusions that we believe that Tom was out of line in his delivery and his tack, all of that stuff. Um, and he did eventually, at the end of last episode, send this long apologetic text to Jax. Which is all anybody ever really needed. So it could have been avoided had this been done earlier. But nonetheless, he does it. And he's let back into the wedding. He is. Um, and not just let back, but reinstated as best man. Oh, yeah. B-team. He's not the Though number he one Tom. Uh-huh. He's A-team. <laughs> but he's not the number one Tom. No, but I will have to say this. He is an amazing best man. I know. The beers, the drinks, the fans. The brolly. The, everything. He really does nail it. I mean, damn. This is my... A conflict with Tom Sandoval, okay. and 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 having what being watched, having watched a lot of the other past episodes now, I feel I'm getting more of a rounded picture of him and who he is. There is no doubt that ninety percent of the time, I think he's probably the best friend you could possibly have. Super loyal, yes. Super thoughtful, really supportive. We see him turn up in Seasons Gone to Shay and Sheena's house to cook them breakfast to teach. You know, he goes above and beyond. But he does have this tendency to be superior and kind of narrow-minded. When he gets a viewpoint, he cannot let it go. Right. And he will take that as far as it fucking needs to go. And I think... As much as I have hated him in this season, having watched the other seasons, there is a little bit of me that will always love Tom Sandoval. Well, I think if you just look at Tom Schwartz, who we love and have loads of time for. (laughs) Oh, he's like a puppy dog. He is. He would not be best friends with someone who is pure evil. 
No. And narcissistic and all about himself. So I think because Tom Schwartz is still very good friends with Tom Sandoval, there is a lot of good in Tom Sandoval. And and you're right. We've seen it in past seasons. I just think he needs to, you, you don't need to be at a hundred with everything. Yeah. And I think he has this really overinflated sense of justice and, and that, and, and I get it. Sometimes when things are glaringly right or wrong, he just needs to make sure everybody understands that. Right. But sometimes it's, you know, we talk about this, sometimes it's better to make shit right than to be right. And I think that is something he could really learn from. Absolutely. Having said that, he gets reinstated at Tom number two. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's done the right thing. 65% of people on our Instagram poll also think thought he'd done the right thing, which I was surprised at. I genuinely thought that would be in the 80s or even 90s. Absolutely. I mean... The points that Stasi and Brittany were making about, you know, Jack's regretting not having one of his very closest, oldest friends in his wedding were very spot on. And I mean, explain it to us. If, if we're not catching something or we're yeah. reading it a bit wrong, let us know. But I, I would agree with you. I thought like that would be a no brainer that everybody would agree and I think the thing with back in would be the right thing to do. Totally. And I think the thing with weddings is because they're so emotionally charged and stressful and all of that stuff, inevitably there are going to be falling, falling out. And you just have to get to a point where you recognize that, do you know what? Sometimes that was just going to happen. And now we need to make it up because that, there are bigger things at stake here. And that's what Jax does. And everybody's going to have a lovely time. Yeah. The place looks, um, hilarious, <laughs> like hilarious, especially to a European because right. like, the place where real castles exist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that it's co- it's obviously called Versailles. It vers- it's, pr- it's spelt Versailles, like how we would say the Palace of Versailles. How everybody would say the Palace of Versailles. Apart from the Kentuckians who would say Versailles. Um, no, so this, this is a funny thing because my husband's family uh, originally, or his grandparents used to live in a town called Versailles, Missouri. And that is how everybody says it. It's for sales, Missouri, which I think is the same way as Versailles, yeah. Kentucky. However, some of those same people will call Versailles, Versailles, even though it's spelled the exact same way. So I don't know if that is just the way the town is, is what it's called, regardless of the spelling or how that works. But I think they it's just, always been a mind. I think it's been like a migration of that word over and in the, in the, in the, as it's come over, it's yeah. just become Americanized. I Maybe. think that's all it is, but it is funny when at least Vanderpump's like for sales, you can't call it that it's Versailles, darling. Yeah. She's like, well, we call it for sales in Kentucky, yeah. you know? And so I guess it's just a, a cultural gap. A colloquialism. A colloquialism. Um, but yeah, it is hilarious and it does look beautiful. If, if not a little Disney, um, I think that's the look, though. Yeah, and I'm sure it's. I'm really excited to see the wedding because I'm yeah. sure it'll be beautiful and crazy and off the scale. She's. I think she's going to do this beautiful princess bride thing, which I am here for. Absolutely. Um, and we get all of that next week. I also want to say that I know Lisa's mum has died, but my prediction is she's going to make an appearance at the wedding. I would agree with that. I mean, my heart broke for Lisa. She's had a really rough couple of years. She um, really has passing. So yeah, and we'll I mean, see. listen, if Tom can lose Dog the Dragon and turn up for the wedding, then Lisa can fucking turn up too. No joke. I got a little <laughs> teary with that. He was so sad. He was so sad. So another thing I've learned going back through the episodes is um, Tom Schwartz is so beautifully wet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. He's so charmingly wet. And it's lucky that he's really pretty because, like, if he was, like, geeky looking, he would not have, like, it would not be received. Katie in would not be with him. No. But he is so charmingly wet that I adore him. He's so kind. The only time I've ever seen him really stand up to people is Katie when she's behaving terribly and Stasi when they've fallen out and they get back together right, and he right. says, you know, you were being a bitch. But other than that, he just wants everybody to be happy. He lives in this like unicorn world where it's <laughs> rainbows and it and it rains, you know, lemon yeah. drops. And that's who he is. I love the fact that he and Katie could not be more different because she is like the least wet person I've ever like. Oh yeah, she's like me. I identify very me strongly too. with Katie because <laughs> I don't cry for anything. No. <laughs> Unless I see very sensitive people crying that just gets me somewhere in my heart box but 
Yeah, no, my, my heart is made of stone. Yes. But, but Katie, I'm the same with. I call it as I see it. There's no shit. If you fuck me over, then you're going to have to... Like, fuck me over and apologize, fine. Fuck me right. over and don't, then I'm sorry, my work here is done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I, all of that stuff. But yeah. Tom is Schwartz. God, I God, love that boy. Um, and then a little less kind of happy and frou-frou is the relationship between Raquel and... James. James in his verbally abusive motherfucking text. Like, what I want to tell James is, James, we aren't all drunken cunts. I know you are, (laughs) but not everybody acts that way. So you projecting onto Raquel that she must be being a drunken cunt is not reality. That's the story you are telling yourself. You need to stop and realize your girlfriend is lovely and sweet and she just got drunk and passed out. And also, the guy has a predisposition to drama. He has a predisposition to being unkind to people, even when he's sober. And so when he drinks, all of that shit is accelerated. And the slight elements of humanity that I see in him when he's sober, which, frankly, I don't like him even when he's sober. Like, he he scares me. He pretends to be sober. Yeah, he's one of those people that scares me emotionally. I feel unsafe around him. And um, I feel like... I hope this episode is the moment where things change because I did see on social media both him and Raquel um, in response to the episode um, say it was quite emotional to watch because that was the moment when things changed. Thank God. And he has, according to Instagram, his Instagram, been nine months sober. Good. I hope this was like the reality check he needed to see. He needed to see it kind of a little bit removed being on screen, how much he's hurt this girl who has done nothing but be supportive to a codependent degree yes. trying to keep him sober. And I, I really liked the chat between Ariana and Raquel about this and how Ariana was very open about the things that she's dealt with and how damaging being spoken to like that is to your own self-worth, self-esteem, and just how how you internalize that abuse, whether you think you are or not. I love that Ariana opened up to Raquel about that, and I feel that really opened Raquel's eyes to what was going on. Because Ariana is not the most open of people. She has a lot of of guards up. So for her to share that, there was a reason why. And I think it's really easy to be on the sidelines and say, why is she still there? Like, why would you put up with that? But when the person that you love... yeah. And you fell in love with before this shit started really taking hold, continues to do that. Without you even knowing, you you start to lose yourself. You're in the hole. In that. Right? You're in the hole. And it's incredibly difficult to get out of. And it's and honestly, it's rare that that shit gets turned around. Right. I hope that that's the case and that him being sober means that this relationship is now wonderful and none of that emotional and verbal abuse is coming out. I think we'll find out um, maybe at the reunion when that pops up. Yeah. But he doesn't strike me as somebody who is has the capability or the capacity to love another human. No, there's a lot of dark there. And I think without a lot of therapy, both singularly and maybe together, that shit's not going to be resolved. Like, yeah. I think that always will be brimming below the surface of both... She knows that's how he'll talk to her when yeah. really pushed, and it comes out so easily. And also, I don't like the way that James says, it's, I'm from England, that's how we are. By the way, on behalf of all English people, that is not <laughs> how we all are. There are no. definitely some British cunts. Yeah. There are definitely some British people that emotionally and verbally abuse people, but it is not how we all are. No, no. So, fuck off. Yeah. Um, okay. And finally, very cavalier. Show five, very cavalier. Um, this I thought is a really interesting episode because for me, as somebody who was born in Yorkshire, and as far as I can tell, everybody I've ever known in my family line has been born and brought up in Yorkshire, certainly England. Um, it really sometimes blows my mind how, like, when Americans start to trace their heritage and their genealogy, like where it fucking takes them. I think this is why, and I was I was actually wondering this while we were watching it together, because it's a very, I think, American thing to want to know where you come from, because we're all immigrants. And we're, yeah. Most of us we're are not We're only two, Native maybe Americans. three generations deep, essentially. Right. So I think there's a huge fascination 
of Americans to really find out where we come from. I mean, there's whole like DNA kits now online that you can kind of trace that shit. Whereas I think most Europeans, and I'm going to include Britain in Europe, even though maybe you're not there anymore. Um, most oh, Europeans. Did you just bring up Brexit? <laughs> Fuck you. But I think most <laughs> Europeans know where they come from because they're either living very close or that shit is being talked about where as Americans, even if you're, you know, I'm I'm maybe a third generation American. Like my family's not been there from the beginning. So I, I identify with Kristen being really fascinated. And I think it's all heightened for Kristen because she's lost her brother and she doesn't feel connected to her dad. So this is a way to kind of reconnect the family over tra- like from this tragedy. So Yeah, and I think it's great that she's got this opportunity because I feel like that reconnection after something so tragic has to be fairly organic you both have to be ready and I feel like they're both willing to bond over this which is great and the trip to Italy just looks oh it's stunning amazing and I like that they went there for their honeymoons this is like she and Jay so this is kind of a little second honeymoon do-over yeah for them where they're in their real life yeah and I love that she gets in the Ferrari to drive for the day (laughs) and then he proceeds to scare the shit out of her by driving it that would totally be me and Jimmy but I would be driving and he would be like can you please slow down you're not on a racetrack you're not obeying the 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 posted speed limit so I wasn't the one that scratched our new car first just saying (laughs) that's fine I'm over it um but yeah, and then my funniest scene in this was when they're out in the in the town and obviously the fans recognize them both. And Kristen's very like shocked because she's in Italy, a right. small town in Italy. Um, but she has her photos, you know, shakes the hands, holds the babies, does all of that stuff that famous people have to do. And we really see that element of Jay, which just I love because I know we because we see what he's really like. I can right. forgive him, but if that was your only interaction with him, and you take the photo and he's got a face like fucking sour milk, and then he walks off without even answering a question, guys, like, <laughs> do you miss football? No. <laughs> Gone. So this is why my husband does not like Jay Cutler because he's a, he's a massive American football fan, and that's the American football Jay, like bit of a puss on, not super likable. Completely the opposite of the Jay that we see in Very Cavallari. But I think that's a great lesson for us all to learn. Because just because he's great at football doesn't mean he has to be great at being famous. Right. And I think so many famous people come under the attack of being kind of a cunt because they're not great with press or they're mean to fans or whatever it is, when actually they could be going home and being super lovely to the people that they know and love, but they just aren't equipped to deal with that stuff. I mean, I think some famous people are just dicks too, but with Jay, that's not the case. Yeah, I think if... What am I trying to say here? I think a lot of people who are famous because of a skill that they happen to have and something that they really enjoy, I think they're the ones that really struggle with fame because ultimately they're just doing something that they love. And I think that's the case of Jay Cutler. I think he comes from a super grounded family background he did sports because he was good at it and he enjoyed the sport and he's he's a smart dude. Like he didn't just skate his way and go to shit colleges and be good at sports. Like he went yeah. to very, very competitive colleges. So I think he's got a real down to earth background, which I think ultimately makes you probably not really like to be famous. I think famous people who got famous just because they wanted to be famous love it and are, you know, yeah, and need to turn that. it on when fucking fans want to talk to you. Yeah, that's because good job. that's the only way to kind of stay relevant. And I'm not trying to like disparage Kristen and how she deals with fame because she's definitely been through the highs and lows. Yeah. I think she's just come out the other side and recognize like she likes people. Yeah, and Jay's consistent with it. Yeah. Like he doesn't love the famous the side of football that means he has to kind of shake hands and hold the babies. But he's consistent in that he's got all this money, but he's not flashy with it. He's not buying a shit ton of ba- he could buy himself that he's Ferrari. Buying mini donkeys. Yeah. He could buy himself that Ferrari tomorrow right but he's not so he's not that guy that did it for fame i feel like he did it because he was just fucking great at football and that's a necessary byproduct of it so but it was really interesting to see him in that setting because we normally as you say normally see him surrounded by dancing donkeys and (laughs) to see him surrounded by fans and just be so unhappy about it was just i mean i wanted to pick him up and put him in my pocket and go it's gonna be okay i think that's the endearing side to jay cutler like we all have the fuck off 
part of our personalities where you just don't want to be around people. And I think he just, he can't hide it, totally. which I 100% identify with. <laughs> I know. We also saw her do that memorial to her brother in the church, which yeah. had me really teary because that's, you know, that's real life. That's real, real life shit. Right. And, and it was really sweet to see them come together. And I think what really stood out for me in this whole season is how in previous seasons he's kind of struggled a little bit. Jay struggled a little bit with having to be the one taking the back seat and supporting Kristen. But here we really see him nailing that to a point where now she feels like it's paid off and she can take a week off right. the business and go to Italy because of the support that he gave her. And they're just in such a good place and I love them both and I kind of want them to adopt me. I mean, maybe they will. I can live in that big house. With your children and your husband. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I'll look after donkeys. <laughs> <I fucking laughs> and their love, children. I fucking love donkeys. It's a little known fact about me. It's not that little known. Isn't I think it? we've spoken about it. About, <laughs> let's see, this is episode nine of Very <laughs> Jesus Christ, Kat, can you just fucking shut up about donkeys? We know how much you love them. Fucking donkeys. You're, you're all aware of this, right? Like, you have been watching, you've been listening to the podcast, so... We've heard it. Next question on Instagram stories. Does everybody know how much Cat loves donkeys? Do you know what she wants them to be called and her, where her do, her donkey okay. sanctuary will be located? All right, so we have spoken about it. I get it. Okay, fine. Um, and then we had a little bit more from Brittany and PJ. And I wrote, that the, I, my exact note said, this guy appears to be pretty excellent. And... He's a very excellent dude. He's a very excellent dude. And just the way he handled that conversation, even if he didn't handle it brilliantly the first time, we never, we don't care about that. No. Came back to it, handled it, was open, vulnerable, honest. Yeah. And I thought, fuck, I'll marry you. I mean, he nailed it. He was just like, it just makes me sad. Like, I don't want to be in the spotlight because I realize how much I love you. Right. And I got insecure. Oh, God, I was basically throwing my panties <laughs> at the television. <laughs> Very Cavallari is basically porn for me right now. <laughs> right. Between PJ and Jay, oh, I just don't know what to Everybody do with else myself. Stay off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> you had to share a couch with me today. I controlled myself. Um, so I'm hoping that this works out, and I hope that they get over it and move on. I feel like though, in the previews that we've seen for the next season, I don't know if Brittany is there yet. Like, yeah. I don't know if Brittany's ready for a dude like PJ. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, I have I have a niggling feeling that it's going to go tits up. I don't genuinely, we'll I don't always believe that something's too soon. I feel, no. like, you know, yes, they met after a month and of her breaking up from a four or five year relationship. But I think sometimes things are just meant to be. And there is this, I feel that there is this myth that if you break up with somebody, it's always too soon to get back together with somebody. I don't think it's else. always too soon, but I think you have to be emotionally yeah. ready to welcome it in. And I don't know if Britney's there yet. See, I think she is. We'll see. I just don't think she believes she is. Yeah, that's fair. That's I fair. I think she just needs to get to a point where she goes, actually, what the fuck am I being so scared right. about? I'm Why am I being a dick? I'm totally ready. <laughs> yeah. I just need to stop worrying whether I'm ready or not. Right, right. Is where I think she is. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. see. Uh, and then just to end with a little bit of my favorite couple, Je uh, Justin and Scoot. Yeah, there's a huge lead up to, so Justin has that conversation with Kristen that he is ready for the relationship to kind of move forward and he's thinking about proposing to Scoot. And I don't know if it's going to happen in Italy or not. I think they're definitely alluding to the fact that it will, but I think they're that's kind of a cliffhangery moment. Well, I did a little sleuthing yeah. and... I, I mean, I just wanted to use the word sleuth. But essentially, <laughs> when I watched the trailer for next episode, it felt like uh, Scoot was having a conversation with his brother when they were back in right. Nashville. Nashville about how he wasn't sure whether he was going to commit. So my feeling is he's not... I think he buys the ring when they're in Italy. Right. But I don't think he can, does it. And... We'll see how it goes. I mean, I think Scoot now just needs to cool his jets a little bit because right. I have been the there. Conversation. He's what? promised you it's happening. Yeah. I've been there when I was like, can you just, we just need to fucking get married. And Jimmy's like, I'm not ready. All of this rubbish. And it became a thing for me. Right. And it got to a point where just I was like, every time we went out, I was looking for like a box shaped <laughs> lump in his pocket. <laughs> and like, and I was searching for rings. I was like, is this fucking going to happen? I was going to say, can we just have a moment to address Scoot going through the bags? He was not looking for socks and underwear. You were looking for a ring. Liar, do that. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Don't ruin the surprise. I know, but I did it. And you I know, know why? And you know why? 
because you do fall into this fucking crazy hole yeah. of uh, almost panic because right. you're like, am I, am I fucking wasting my time here? Like, is he actually going to do it? But you're right. I needed to call my jets. Yeah. He needs to call his jets. And I think the fight that we see them having, even though I, from the trailer, doesn't seem like Justin behaves brilliantly. Right. I think Scoot reacts, overreacts to it because of all the shit that's going on inside for this like marriage commitment thing. And he takes it in a, on a whole different level. Yeah, see, it's interesting because I, I don't really identify with that. And I don't know if it's because I got engaged quite young. So I was in my 20s. So I didn't feel like this pressure for us to kind of move to the next yeah. place. So there was none of that. Re- I mean, my husband had our, his ring in the pocket like the whole day we were hanging out and we were like hugging or whatever. And didn't notice. Had no idea. Jimmy, Jimmy, in the end, didn't even keep the ring in the box because he was like, Smart I know dude. she's fucking looking. <laughs> <laughs> he just put the ring. She's rifling through all my he shit. Put, <laughs> he put the ring loose in his pocket when we were in New York. That, and waited till like 11 o'clock at night to pull it out. Like, fuck, we could have done this in the daylight when the, <laughs> when the pictures would have been better. Anyway, it's fine because then we lost all the pictures. So nobody ever knows that we got engaged on Brooklyn Bridge. Anyway. Uh, so that, I think that wraps us up. That does wrap us up. Um, please remember to rate and review us. It would help us out loads. It will help spread the word. Talk about it with your friends. If you've got friends that like reality TV and are not listening to the podcast, shame on you. Get them on it. Because we are here for smart chat about reality yeah. TV. You know, we talked a lot about this in the guest episode that we recorded the other day. It, it, we need to banish this idea that reality TV is for bozos who sit on the couch and get high all day. We are smart working professional women and we fucking love it. And we eke out at least an hour's worth of smart <laughs> chat about it every week. So tell your friends. And as Reagan says, please, please rate and review as ever. If you want to get in touch, the email address is hey at TV, my husband hates.com. And uh, until then, we hope you have a really wonderful week. That's right. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. The music and production for TV My Husband Hates by Jimmy Sims.